This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Heal. Well, yesterday was probably one of the biggest challenges of Rishi Sunak's premiership, Katie. What happened last night in the Commons? Yes, so on Tuesday we had the first stage of the amendment votes and you had, I think, if you count, uh, for example, Scott Benton and Andrew Bridgen, uh, who were elected as Tories but are no longer uh, uh, Tory MPs, you had 65 Conservative MPs vote against the government. You also had the DUP joining that group. And therefore, it's the biggest revolt that Rishi Sunak has had during his premiership. Um, it didn't amass to very much in the sense that, as we said before in this podcast, it was never the case really that they were going to succeed in adding their amendments. Instead, it is a show of the support for changing the bill on the Tory right. And uh, I think any blue on blue internal rebellion is bad for a prime minister's authority but of course it moves over to the third reading uh, which is today so later today we'll have more amendments and then quite quickly after that we'll move to the third reading bill and that is the point which is if number 10 as they are suggesting they plan to do do not take in any of these amendments do the rebels then move to vote down the bill alongside labor and if you look at those numbers that clearly you don't you know you need less than half really of those MPs to vote against to then stop the bill if all of Labour voted against the bill too. It's still quite a jump to go between the two. But I think the 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 mood music coming from these groups this morning, of course, is very well, we get through the amendments first, this is what the new Conservatives, Jonathan Gullis, is saying, and then we'll see how we feel we feel. So far only a handful have come out publicly to say we would actually vote against us at third reading. Jonathan Gullis said at minimum he will abstain, um, but they'll have to have talks. But I think probably the biggest news from yesterday related to uh, the fact that it resulted in free resignations. One PPS, Kemi Badenoch's PPS, Jane Stevenson, and then two uh, deputy chairs in terms of Leah Anderson and Brendan Clark-Smith. Now, I think there is something to be said for the fact there are many deputy chairs <laughs> and this role has almost become something you do to kind of bring these MPs in from the tent and so forth. So you can overstate, it's not like it is a cabinet resignation, but I think the reason this will sting is these MPs are Red Wall MPs. They made quite clear they wanted to back the amendments and that they made it clear for you know, over 24 hours. It's about an hour before the vote that really the Whip's office and number 10 clarified their position, which it is you just is not tenable to hold these positions technically pay payroll votes being members of the payroll but also voting against you know not with the government and therefore chose to resign the letters are pretty friendly but ultimately lee anderson was brought in to really um signal that rishi Sunak was serious about the red wall um, at the time, Greg Hands was chair and he was the MP, he's the MP for Chelsea and Fulham. Now it's Richard Holden. So you can argue you have a Red Wall MP who's chairman. But still, I think the fact that Lee Anderson is a grassroots favourite, the fact that he is popular in the parliamentary party and he's often out there on the media, you know, only a few days of video of Rishi Sunak and Lee Anderson together does just mean I think it will seem as a bit of a symbolic 
lost in terms of the MRP poll, all the Red Wall MPs being forecast to lose their seats. And now they've lost from, you know, the the attack frontline of the Tory party, um, someone who really represented that. And James, this sort of goes wildly against what Isaac Levido had pitched to his MPs just the other night saying, you know, disunity isn't going to work. Why is it so worrying for Lee Anderson? Because I think the poll suggested he might lose his seat. Well, I think there's a genuine strength of feeling on this. Um, I think that there's a more broader ideological question, which is that, you know, different Tory MPs go into politics for different reasons. And I think it perhaps would be fair to say that maybe some of Rishi Sunak's supporters, a decent chunk of them, were more in the kind of Cameroon mould of kind of uh, fiscal conservatism, maybe in that more Thatcherite mould. Uh, you know, some of those ones elected in 2019 had a very different view of politics. They were people who were cultural conservatives, social conservatives, people for whom uh, Thatcher was not a popular figure in their communities uh, in the north of England. And, and, and I think also the way in which politics was done was very different. They were more in the sort of Boris Johnson mould of being quite presidential figure, of being very dismissive of conventions or at least uh, willing to challenge them. Uh, and I think that's very different to kind of what Rishi Sunak's done in office and a whole variety of different issues. So I suppose perhaps, uh, as Katie says, it was a, a fairly friendly letter given the circumstances. They're very different from the one that Suella Braverman uh, penned after her sacking. So I think that it was really about the strength of issue on this. Some Conservative MPs I've spoken to, it's about being able to say, well, I tried to strengthen the bill, toughen it up, lay down these amendments, because they'd hope that you know, they appeal to their constituents, show they're willing to defy number 10, uh, and also maybe ward off that kind of reform or any split threat in their constituencies. For a minority, it's about, a small minority, I would say it's probably about bringing the, down the Prime Minister. But I don't think most people are in that question, of course, then it does, I, I do go back to your point, Natasha, which is that less than 48 hours after the election, Guru Isaac Levito warns them about the importance of unity. Where do we go from here? And I suspect the bill will go through tonight without the rebels' amendments, and you then have a a sort of a bloodied party thinking, where do we go from here? Because even if the bill was defeated, do you really want an election in the circumstances, a leadership election? Um, And also it would probably make a general election more likely. I don't think any Tory MPs would really want that right now. I think one of the differences this time around in terms of the whipping operation on the amendments is um, you obviously have the five families, we're back to them again. Um, but I think at second reading, it was the European Research Group leading quite a lot of the discussions. Um, you know, had these different groups tr- almost trying to assert themselves and their importance in the discussions. But it felt as though it was Marc Francois and others out there. This time around, I think that where they have found some success is they have tried to steer it away from this idea of it being a vote on Rishi Sunak. So it's just, we back the Prime Minister, we want the bill to work, um, you know, look at our legal advice and trying to make it very contained in the policy area, which is why I think the number is so high in terms of, you know, around 60 MPs voting against, because partly because, uh, you know, other than, of course, you're on payroll, I think it's been felt a bit like to backbench MPs. This is a free pass to vote. Um, and the real big vote is co- coming up the track. And then you've had, I think, the new Conservatives leading quite a lot of the discussions. And again, trying not to make it this mafiosa, we, you know, we're coming for you soon type thing. And you still had like, little bits of that I think the MRP poll timing of course Simon Clark saying if we are ignored we you know we have shown in the past with Theresa May's Brexit deal but we won't be ignored now of course what happened to Theresa May she left number 10 so there's still I think some of that there but I think broadly the success has been in making it just about the bill and that's what they're saying to MPs so therefore I think there's a question which is how does that then transfer to third reading because those in the rebel camp will say we don't want to push out Rishi Rishi Sunak. We just want him to come back with a bill that works. So they argue that with a straight face, what they could do is vote down the bill at third reading, 
currently skeptical they have the numbers to be fair but in that scenario they would vote down the bill at third reading and then that would all be fine because they would have shown that it's not going to work and then Rishi Sunak would go back to number 10 get behind his study he'd invite a few of them in they'd draft a new bill put that forward and then it would all be la-di-da fantastic now Clearly, one problem is the One Nation group and whether they would go along with that. You could try and face them down. Another problem is the Rwandan government. And when they say, oh, actually, this breaches international law to a point we can't look the other way and we don't want to do it. So you call, so you, you basically work out whether the right of the party uh, correct to imply heavily that Rishi Sunak is misleading them on the stance of the Rwandan government. And third, I think, would Rishi Sunak go along with that? I personally don't think Rishi Sunak is the type of leader who wants to be a Theresa May politician being pushed around in different directions. And therefore, in this grand scheme, I think as soon as you push it to the point of uh, going to third reading and doing something, they will say, oh, there's no way there's going to be an early election. That's just a bluff from number 10. It doesn't have to be an early election. I think suddenly the consequences of doing that go... You know, are far more uh, hard to predict than what they would say in their careful plan. And James, just for our listeners, how will today map out in terms of the bill? So we're expecting on the day of debate, uh, prior to the votes on the amendments, then tonight there'll be the third reading of the bill. Uh, we don't know yet what time that'll be, probably around similar to yesterday. Uh, and thereafter, it will then go to the Lords. And uh, <laughs> if you think Rishi Sunak's troubles are over, uh, they're probably only just beginning there. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thanks for listening. And do keep up with Coffee House, where we'll be bringing you a lot more information on the bill ahead.